0: hi everyone welcome back to criminal curiosity i'm your host jay townsend And this is the second episode thank you so much for listening you know all i can say is i'm very proud of myself for making this podcast because i love to procrastinate i love to put things off um if you hear any background noise i live on the highway so you know the highway is one of the loudest places ever and i'm currently in a closet talking about a true crime story (laughs) while i'm home alone so that is uh it's not, it's not scary at all, but at the same time, it, uh, it is scary. So today, I'm going to be talking about the Garrett Phillips case and who killed him. Garrett Phillips was born on August 13th, 1999. He was a 12-year-old boy living in Potsdam in upstate New York. It's less than 40 miles from Canada, so it's about an hour and a half drive. The nearest city in Potsdam is in Canada rather than somewhere in New York, which I find... Very, very cool. I don't know. I'm a geography geek and I love to know where the closest city is. Like, imagine telling someone, oh yeah, where I live, it's just like an hour from Canada. Like, literally across the border. So, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But from Potsdam to New York, it is about a six to seven hour drive. Garrett lived with his mother, Tandy Cyrus, and his younger brother, Aaron. Garrett's father, Robert Phillips, passed away from a brain aneurysm when Garrett was three years old. Garrett was described as an athletic and rowdy kid, you know, he enjoyed making jokes, making people laugh, and he was a very energetic kid, and he would always move around so much in class that he brought attention to himself. He was an adventurous boy, he loved playing sports, he was into fishing, hunting, and riding four-wheelers. On October 24th, 2011, at 4.50pm, a surveillance video shows the middle school parking lot and it shows Garrett leaving school on his skateboard. Garrett was in his family's second-floor apartment. His mother, Tandy Cyrus, took her youngest son, Aaron, out to basketball practice, and Garrett would join them after he was finished with his homework, and Tandy would drive them both back home. At around 5 p.m., Sean Hall, who was their neighbor, said it sounded like a woman who was frightened by a mouse. They heard banging sounds and then moans. He said he either heard a child or a woman yelling no or help. The neighbors decided to go check, you know, just to see if someone hurt themselves. They didn't know exactly who lived in the apartment, but they had seen Garrett and his brother playing in the halls before or riding their bikes outside. When they knocked on the door, the only thing that they heard was someone locking the door. Marissa Vogel, who is Sean Hall's fiancé, called the police at 5.07pm and told the dispatchers what they heard. The police arrived in less than 10 minutes and after knocking multiple times and announcing that it was the police, the officer gets a hold of the landlord to be able to get the keys. But he was out of town with his family and told the officer that he would head straight over there to give him the key. In the meantime, the officer went around to ask the neighbors, you know, who lived there and what kind of noises did they hear. And the officer learned that there were two boys that lived there with their mother and that the boys. Were you know, always playing around, making noises like usual kids do. But the sound that they all heard was something completely different, and it made them all concerned. The officer was able to get into the apartment when the landlord arrived. There, they found Garrett Phillips laying on his back in the master bedroom. He was wearing a t-shirt with blue and white checkered shorts. The officer couldn't find a pulse, and he wasn't breathing, so he started to do CPR. The paramedics were called and continued giving Garrett CPR. They took him to the Canton Potsdam Hospital, where 12-year-old Garrett Phillips was pronounced dead at 7.18pm. At the scene, the officer was looking around and asking himself questions like, where was his brother and mother and who else would have known that Garrett would be home alone? In the room that Garrett was found in, they found a windows blind and the protective screen was damaged and wide open. They thought that if this was the person that was in the apartment with Garrett this was an exit for them they decided to call Tandy Cyrus and told her what had happened and she told them to call a man named John Jones his name is is very much a tongue twister to me and it's so weird because it was like wing wing hello this is Potsdam Police Department we'd like to inform you that your son Garrett Phillips is dead oh 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 my gosh go and call a man by the name john jones you know it 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 was weird how she just immediately told them to do so but i mean no one exactly knows how they're going to react in a situation like that so john jones was one of her ex-boyfriends and he was the local sheriff deputy she told john jones to meet her at the hospital you know to be there for her and to let her know what was going to happen next When they examined Garrett's body, they found no bruises or cuts, but they ruled it as a homicide and that he died as a result of strangulation. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Tandy Cyrus's background just to understand all the people in her life. Like I mentioned before, Garrett's father passed away when he was three from a brain aneurysm. She later remarried and had Garrett's younger brother, Aaron, but that marriage didn't last long. She graduated from the police academy, but decided not to pursue a career in becoming a cop. She worked at a credit union and had another job on the side where she was a bartender at a bar called Tons. And while working at this bar, she met a man named Oral Nick Hillary. Now, Nick Hillary wasn't like any other man that Tandy had been with. You know, Nick was a black man from Kingston, Jamaica, and he was living in a predominantly white town. He was a Division III soccer coach at Clarkson University and he was a fit man and he was well-spoken. He moved to Brooklyn as a teenager and spent a semester at NYU before joining the US Army and serving in Iraq after the first Gulf War. So much respect to Nick, of course. He would stay at the bar, him and Tandy, you know, just getting to know each other. Nick had three children but wasn't with their mother. They talked about the life that they wanted, you know, and he wanted to be a Division 1 coach and Tandy wanted to live somewhere with warmer weather. Which, she basically lives in Canada, so I I don't blame her for wanting warmer weather. They soon began to date and then moved in together. So, living together was Tandy, her two sons, Garrett and Aaron, Nick and his daughter, Shanna Kay. And Nick's two older sons would sometimes come over to sleep and you know, in in overall they did just stay with their mother. In the summer of 2011, Tandy learned that her sons were unhappy with Nick living with them and that they just wanted it to be the three of them. I mean, it's understandable, you know, when your parents meet someone and the next thing you know you're living with them. It's a lot to process, a lot to take in, and it does take some time. You know, when all you've known is your mom or dad and sibling and the next thing you know you're living with four or five other people and I feel like it, it has a lot to do with age you know like when you're two years old and your mom meets a new partner and the next thing you know you're 20 and it's not weird or different because that person has basically raised you opposed to when you're 15 you understand what is happening and your surroundings have changed and you know I feel like you're gonna have a say in what you like and what you don't like I've experienced that in in my time of life on planet earth but they didn't like that he was a strict and disciplined parent he wouldn't let them watch tv on school nights and when i was watching the interview they made it seem like it was the craziest thing that they ever heard of they're like oh my god nick doesn't let the children watch tv on school nights oh my god you know and it was like oh yeah that's definitely a reason to be a killer like okay you know and that they didn't want to live with him anymore So Tandy decided to take her two sons and move out with them, while her and Nick still remained a couple. Nick even helped them move in somewhere else. At first, they thought it was a good plan and that things would work out, but they ended their relationship. I'm not sure why or when, but it just wasn't working out for them anymore. Nick had a key to her apartment and Tandy said that Nick showed up two times unannounced. He let himself in one time and stood over her bed while she was sleeping. Um, uh, (laughs) that's interesting. That, that, that's weird. You know, hmm. She then asked him to give the key back to her and the last time he was in the apartment was towards the end of September, either the 23rd or the 24th. Nick Hillary was told about Gerd's death the same night he died by Lieutenant Mark Murray of the Potsdam Police Department. Two days later, Nick was brought in for questioning. An hour into questioning, Nick was getting ready to leave because he had to go to work. But the police chief refused to let him go. They read him his Miranda rights, even though he wasn't being arrested. And Nick said that that's when he knew he was the prime suspect. They then did a strip search on him taking pictures taking all of his clothes and phone and he's just forced to stand there completely naked while they take pictures they never found anything on him besides a small scab on one of his ankles nick told the police that he was moving furniture but couldn't tell what type of furniture so the police were like oh yeah guys oh yeah we scored a big one yeah he's going to jail you know they were like oh yeah we found a piece of evidence but i mean he's a soccer coach and he's going to have bruises and cuts on his leg you know I know that when I played soccer in high school I had all these bruises all over my body and when you hit your foot on something or hit your shoulder and it forms into a bruise you don't quite remember how you got the bruise you know and he was helping Tandy move so he could have scraped his ankle on something he was released in a hazmat suit not even the clothes that he came in a whole hazmat suit eight hours later a police officer at the Potsdam Police Department said a strip search has never ever taken place there. So, why did they do this? Was it a way to degrade him and humiliate him? Was it to make him lose his temper? Or did it have to do with the color of his skin? Nick's phone, and exactly 48 minutes after Garrett was found dead and the neighbors called 911, 48 minutes after that, Nick called his lawyer, and he was at a soccer practice that evening. His player said that he was so much more calmer than usual because, you know, he was in the army. He likes to be an authoritative and disciplined figure, and it was just so different than what they're used to. The day after Garrett's death, Nick had a soccer game. His team won 2-0, or (laughs) 2-0. Nick was still very calm, you know, all he was doing was walking. He wasn't running up and down. He wasn't yelling at his players, you know, what soccer coaches do. And the lieutenant was at the game and was recording Nick, and he even claimed that he saw him with a significant limp, which I don't think these people realize that or just don't remember that Nick is a soccer coach. Or when you play sports, you're going to have limps, you're going to have pains, you know, to cause you to limp a little bit. And he couldn't help but think that this was caused from jumping out the window the night Garrett was murdered. After he was strip searched, got his phone, wallet, everything taken, after being questioned and fingerprinted, weeks would pass and there was no arrest. Tandy allegedly said that Nick blamed Garrett for their breakup. Allegedly, he said that her sons would always make decisions for her. And I feel like that was the deal breaker sort of thing that ended their relationship. Nick was like, you know, Tandy... Your sons make these decisions for you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to start making them for yourself. So, the year after Garrett's death, there were no arrests or charges. Nick filed a lawsuit against the police officers, alleging that his civil rights had been violated and that he was unlawfully arrested. They searched his house with no warrant. They read him his Miranda rights and never had a reason to hold him there in 2013 the case began to pick up again due to politics a woman named mary rain who was running for saint lawrence county district attorney she used garrett's case and many other cases as saying that she wanted these cases solved and that she was going to do everything to get these families the justice they deserve mary rain said that once she is elected she is going to bring charges against the suspect And five months later, on May 15th, 2014, Nick was indicted on second-degree murder. In July 2014, he entered a not-guilty plea. By this time, the case had, you know, gained a lot of publicity, and people who heard about this case had already made up their mind that Nick was either guilty or not. Due to all of this, his life was changed no matter the outcome of the trial, and he lost his coaching job. Nick was then released on bail. A couple months later, the judge working on the case looked over all the very little evidence and the video saying it, quote, lacked adequate foundation, end quote. He also accused the DA of bullying Nick's daughter when asked about his alibi. I mean, she's a kid. I don't know exactly how old she was when this happened. But I mean, she's a kid and these are grown people bullying her. Where's your dad? What was your dad doing? What was he doing on this day? And it's like, leave. Leave her alone and just go try to find a stronger case and stop bullying a little girl. In 2015, Nick was indicted again and they brought the case in front of a grand jury. They got a jury of normal regular people that, you know, were around the area. But the problem with this is that because it was so widely known it was impossible to find an entire jury that didn't know this case and hadn't already formed an opinion think of it like um oj simpson you know it was so so big nick and his team did realize this when the jury was created and that everyone had already formed an opinion so nick decided that he wanted his trial to be a bench trial Meaning that the judge is the only person that can decide his verdict instead of a jury. Nick was really smart. Nick was like, uh, not today. Nick was like, go big or go home. You know, props to Nick because, oof, I would have no idea what a bench trial is. The prosecution introduced a witness who was one of the neighbors living in Garrett's building and heard the noise on the day of Garrett's murder. They were outside changing attire when they heard the noises. Now, from where they were standing outside, they would have been lined up directly, you know, to the window of Garrett's apartment, and they would have been able to see someone coming out the window. But when they heard the noises, they decided to go inside and see what was going on, which would mean that the person would have been able to escape through the window without being seen. The witness described the suspect as a dark, shadowy man that stood in the window of Garrett's apartment. And the witness said confidently that he specifically saw Nick, but the girlfriend saw something completely different. She said that he probably formed an opinion based on what people were saying, seeing as Nick was the only suspect. You know, he had no other choice but to say, oh yeah, it must be Nick because all they're showing is Nick. So because of what the girlfriend was saying and had doubts about what her boyfriend saw, it showed that the prosecution had a very weak case. They had two witnesses and two of them were saying two completely different things. Another part of the case that was never really explored was the possibility of looking into John Jones who was the sheriff's deputy and Tandy's ex. I mean there was no evidence that made it obvious that he killed Garrett and that he should be a suspect but it was the same thing for Nick Hillary. There was no convincing evidence either yet right away Nick was the only prime suspect john jones would have had the same ability to be the killer just as much as nick was because john jones's house was halfway between garrett's school and garrett's house there are a lot of people that say that john jones was not investigated at all even after learning about how john and tandy's relationship ended towards the end of their relationship tandy had met nick at the bar so this was while she was with john jones and she put so much time into getting to know Nick, you know, her relationship with John Jones ended. So that made John not a fan of Nick, you know, kind of like the <laughs> the sheriff's deputy got his girlfriend stolen by a soccer coach. And I was reading a lot about, um, when I no, when I was reading a lot about this case, a lot of people said that John Jones and Garrett didn't have a great relationship. They kind of, you know, hated each other. So that 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 says something you know. Nick Hillary was found not guilty by the judge. He said the circumstantial evidence was not strong enough for the prosecution's case. So Nick became a free man like I said there was nothing against him that said he could have done it and of course Garrett's family still haven't gotten any justice. The reason this case is you know still talked about or even so why I remember this case when I learned about it like two years ago is because of how the investigation was from the beginning they zeroed in on it being nick more so right away they thought that he was guilty without having any evidence and to my knowledge i think that the way solving crimes work is that there has to be evidence that points to someone you know you can't just look at someone and be like oh yeah he's guilty for what reason i don't know and it's, I mean, I'm, I'm no police officer. I don't have police training. I'm just a random girl that isn't a true crime, but it, I don't know. I was reading different people's thoughts on Potsdam, you know, people that have lived there, and people say it's a very racist town, like a good majority of towns everywhere else, and that they don't approve of interracial couples. Which, I mean, no one ever asks for their opinion on what they approve and disapprove of, so it's like, um, uh, mind your business, please and thank you. The way they treated Nick, you know, having him strip naked and stand there humiliating him, you know, that was wrong. It would be weird not to think that they treated Nick like this because he's a black man. And this has happened in so many cases, you know, it's not the first time. If they weren't so biased and focused on Nick where there was no evidence, they could have found the person that did this. A lot of people think that Nick Hillary got away with murder, and a lot of people think that John Jones killed Garrett. Or maybe there is someone out there that we don't know of. But what I do know is that if there was a jury, Nick would 100% be in prison, and he has stood by his innocence till this day. I do want to mention that the window that was kicked out like someone jumped out of it, there were four fingerprints on it, none of them match Nick Hillary's, and they don't have anyone else that it matches. Now things I find fishy about this case is when Tandy got the news, you know, why did she call John Jones right away? I mean, he was a sheriff and I don't know how police rank work, but he could have told them to focus on Nick and only Nick you know, do whatever it is to get something out of him. Or maybe they didn't know that he was dating Tandy. Or even if they knew that John Jones was dating Tandy before, why did they never question him? Like, why do they never ask Tandy questions herself? You know, she was the closest person to Garrett. Or maybe the police department is just corrupt and racist like a good majority of them and thought that it was Nick because he's a black man. I believe that... Nick had nothing to do with this murder. Like, when you forget about the race, you know, which they should have done, there is no evidence that says it's Nick. But why not question John Jones? I mean, sheriff, police, or not, police murder people all the time. I mean, look at the Golden State Killer. You know, he was literally investigating his own crime, and he knew exactly how to hide it. You know, not because they are the police, they can't be questioned, or they can't be suspects, or they can't be wrong but why not like explore every possibility if you want this person caught and even though Tandy lost her son you know why not question her as well you never know maybe could have been Aaron's father or some other man in Tandy's life I don't know or maybe it could have been a robbery gone wrong I don't know I keep saying I don't know a lot because I truly don't know I've been thinking about so many theories but my mind hurts thinking about what possibly could have happened And that's what makes this case so interesting is because it's unsolved and yet it's so all over the place. You know, they wanted to put an innocent man behind bars, possibly and most likely because of his skin color. And during unsolved cases, a lot of people do have different possibilities. So, you know, I would love to know what you guys think. So yeah, that is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and please stay tuned for next week's episode that comes out every Thursday. You can follow my Instagram at Criminal curiosity Pod, where you can see the pictures of the case, behind the scenes, or just to keep up with what's going on. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms, such as Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And please be safe out there. Look out for one another. Until next time, bye everyone.